All right, let's continue in Da'atev Unot. We're in Ot Lamed Vav in these books. It's on page 38. It's the uh, second paragraph on the page. No, am I behind? Okay, well, let's go back to there. Irrespective, let's go back to there. Ve'omnam ha'ma'amin ba'yehudu mevin inyano. If you recall, he was uh, mentioning earlier, Ramchal was, the different mistaken views on how to understand God's oneness. It's as if a person who understands Yehud, and this Yehud, this oneness, this uniqueness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is going to be much of the theme of this book, and certainly of our conversation tonight, he says, if you properly understand it, of course, you'll dispel of all those false notions. Sarich shi'amin shakadosh baruch hu echad yahid umiyuhad. Of course, three words which seem to be synonymous, sound like one, one, and one. How, how do they have it? God is absolutely and totally one. Of course, it's three separate things. Okay. Anyway, she'en lo, we'll talk about that in just a moment. She'en lo mone'au me'akev kelal ve'ikar b'shum panim u'b'shum tzad elahu levado moshel bakol. You have to understand. We're going to. We're going to in just a moment. I'm just, I had to introduce it as a question first to get you nervous. Right? It says there's no mone'au, there's no one who's preventing, there's no one who's causing uh, anything and everything mm-hmm. that God wills or does. Now, what are those Ehad, Yahid, and Miyuhads that he's referring to? He himself, Ramchal, does elsewhere addresses that. It's on the page in front of you in source number two in Derech Hashem. But before we get to Derech Hashem, read a little bit of what he wrote in Adir Bamarom. And to a large extent, this is how I want to frame our conversation tonight. It's around this issue, the issue of time or not issue, the concept of time vis-a-vis God. In source number one in his book, Adir Bamarom, he writes, Shelosha Zemanim Yesh. Of course, there are three domains, three realms of time. Rosh, Sofeim, so beginning, end, and middle. Shebahem Ne'emar, about them it says in Yeshaya, Ani Rishon v'ani Aharon beladai en Elohim. I'm both first and last, and in the middle, of course, I'm the God as well. V'hainu. He says the way it works is in such a fashion that in the ultimate stage, anything that was perceived as ra, as evil, in our uh, confined understanding, our limited perception of the world, will now be understood as tob. His word is mahazir to tob. We understand that, generally speaking, in terms of perspective. He says the middle is the time period during which we're struggling with that uh, that schism between good and bad, tov and ra, evil and, and, and goodness. And that, that those are the three domains that we're dealing with. And of course, it's a reference to God uh, spanning the time of each um, more, more sharper, saying it sharp, in a sharper fashion, it's saying that God transcends time. If God is both past, future, and present, well, the understanding is that he's all, and perhaps he's all at once. When Ramahal refers to this Ehad, Yahid, and Miyuhad in his Derech Hashem, he, uh, he correlates this Hove, Haya, and Yehyeh with Ehad, Yahid, and Miyuhad. If you take a look here, it's uh, it writes in source any vision, any understanding, any feeling of evil that we have. It's during times in which there's hester, in which God has concealed his oneness. If all is one, 
and God is the being of Tob, so then all is Tob. The fact that we experience and feel deficiency and Ra means that some of his essence is concealed. That's what he's speaking out. Shoresh kol bitul hara ve'avarato at a time and stage during which we'll be able to perceive Tov, which is manifested throughout. That's a time in which by Adonai Yes. Why why do you keep on speaking about evil as a perception and not an existence? I don't see that in the text. Uh, right, he's certainly not stating it in in a in a, in a straightforward fashion. I'm arguing that he has to be saying that, because wow. if the deficiency, I mean, he might even say it explicitly, but even from the sources we have, if the deficiency that brings forth ra is the hyster of God, and which means it's just concealed, and then it's going to be revealed. It's a withdrawal, and, and as a result, the Ra, but I mean, there is a purpose for the Ra. He's actually withdrawn to the extent that he's causing deficiency in the world, which is objectively speaking, he's allowing it, but in the scheme of things, there's a purpose for it. If in the scheme of things there's a purpose for it, we call that Tov. Why is he allowing for it? He's saying it's not only from the perspective of time, that that if you... Or to if you were to get rid of the definition of time, then everything is cold tov. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. If you have a breadth of vision, right. So then it's tov. If we're going to accept that, add that implies ah, some intentionality to it. Yes. Which maybe there isn't though. There's, Certainly, yeah. Ramchal's vision is that there's an absolute intentionality to it all. It's not. It's there, but it's an intentional. If it was intentional, it would not be hesed. No, it's an intentional hesed. But it's not hesed then. Why not? The, the hester is intentional, which allows for the randomness of the ra to occur. Good. But if the ra itself was intentional, then it wouldn't be hester. No, but as an omniscient, as an omniscient being, he would know what the impact of the hester and would he be. He wants to say with the matter, randomness. I understand. Even if we're dealing with randomness, in the scheme of things, and I can't explain this to you, but I can tell you, when when time reaches its end, define accordingly, It'll the randomness close. now will fit into place, will it not? Because the randomness is looking too close. You're, you're stuck to, in it. You're stuck in it. You have to look back. That doesn't mean that it's that doesn't mean that it's good. It means that it's irrelevant, maybe. No, it is relevant. But it doesn't mean the process. It's ultimately good. But okay, but the process could occur potentially without it. Meaning, experience is something. I can still get from my house to your house, making three turns instead of going in a straight line. It doesn't mean that I didn't get to your house. It just means that I took a. But ultimately, you'll see whatever occurred in in its place, and it'll make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. Joe's saying it doesn't need to. Joey's saying it doesn't need to. Right. Joey's saying it doesn't need to. That's his position. But if you take that all the way, the whole process is all thrown into the same. No, he's not. He's saying there's multiple routes to the same. He is saying that. He's saying there's multiple routes to get there. That's fine. Those multiple routes. Joey says you do need process, but not every segment of process was or is necessary. That's true. It could have happened another way. But ultimately, they're all good. Excuse me, no, they're not. Right? No. Right? And then, right? That's the negative. And then it comes back to Lemanya, Bui, Right? Yeah, okay, so there's a process which leads to an ultimate rise. Yeah, so Ramchal continues here, he writes, 
Ehad yahidu miyuhad. So there's the words that I was looking for. I bolded yes. them for you. He says that God's being is haya, hove, yehye. It was, it is, it's future. Tamid. And that's what he translates into. Ehad yahidu miyuhad. It means when he's referring to these words, Ehad yahidu miyuhad, he's effectively referring to as haya, hove, yehye. And now it's not synonymously stating Ehad Yahidu no, He was, is, and always will be Echad Yahidu Yuchad. Not was Echad. Okay. I, I don't read it that way. No, I don't, okay. Maybe the next words will prove no, wrong. No, they but... won't. No, they won't. <laughs> it, oftentimes people quote in this context, several quote in this context, that Ramban's words okay. in his commentary to Sefer Yitzirah seem to point in this direction as well. I thought that's what these words pointed to. You're right. No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. You're right. No, you're right. He says, in the current moment, it's not fully revealed. In the future, it will be. Listen, ultimately speaking, his statement is, irrespective of the absolute translation of his statement is that time plays a very big factor, a very central factor in terms of understanding and perceiving this oneness. To be able to perceive it in the current moment, and I mean that for real, in our current moment, not so simple, in a world of division, in a world of randomness, in a world of tov and ra, hard to perceive of such a reality. He describes an aharitayamim, a yihyeh, in which things will in turn be placed in their appropriate perspective, is my understanding, and therefore will be able to see it beyond the way we see it right now. Now, that ability to envision existence, but to envision God's existence as spanning both Haya, Hove, and Yihyeh is something that's not only a perspective philosophically and not just a way of perceiving God, but I've always understood it from Rabbi Soloveitchik's writings and others as a mandate to us, which means to say, in our way of being creative like God, we are empowered and entrusted with the responsibility of taking past, future, and enmeshing them in the present. What do I mean by that? In Halachic Man, for example, here in source number three, he describes that that's the essence of Teshubah. He says, you envision repentance as something that I'm crying over the past. Instead of it being crying over the past, it's, it's, it's a past which informs my present, which in turn... <laughs> which in turn impacts the future, which means to say if you're playing God, if you're being a creative being, what you're effectively doing is I'm saying that I rise above time. I don't get stuck in the past or an action of the past is not stuck then. And something in the future is not has not been yet. I'm able to enmesh them in the present and in turn change my life, in turn change existence the, the, itself. The, the, yeah, the, yeah. That's, the, the, that's the vision. And so for, you know, just to read it for a moment with you, however, there's a past that persists in its existence that does not vanish and disappear, but remains firm, firm in its place. Such a past enters into the domain of the present and links up with the future. I did something wrong in the past. 
Well, now that which was wrong in the past in term changes me in the present and informs my future, which means they all become enmeshed in the present. Now that means to say that envisioning God and existence itself as this process of Haya, Hove, and Yehiyeh, and understanding that although limited in my current vision, I'm just accepting the fact that there's something greater and beyond that, well, that should in turn inform me of the type of life I'm supposed to be living. I'm supposed to be living a life which is not just caught up in the present and doesn't just accept that which was in the past and doesn't just uh, dispel future notions from my mind. It means they all come to, they all come to the fore in any and every action that I'm undergoing. Now, that's going to be, in my mind, a critical point which he's going to touch on over the course of his discussion of Yehud Hashem. And we already understand to a large extent why it touches on Yehud Hashem. You can only feel and experience Yehud Hashem, the oneness, if you have a breadth of vision. You can't have such a vision of that Yehud in a world which has hester unless you accept that there's something beyond the present, right? To understand that. Anyway, he continues. Let's let's just read a little bit more here in terms of, or a lot more. Lami ba'aya, back on page 38. Lami ba'aya she'en reshut negdo has v'shalom. And now he's going to dispel of all those wrongful notions. That's number one. Of course, there's no reshut kenegdo. There's no powers that oppose God. Elohu atzmo bore hatov vehara. God is the crafter, the former of both tov and ra. Kenyan hakatuv yoser oru bore hoshe chose shalom ubore. Ra, of course, Ani Adonai Kol Ele. He has and 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 exerted the ability to create Ra or the potential for Ra. She'en Aher Tachtav She'yelo Shelita Ba'olam. Da'hainu She'en Shum Sav Velo Shum Koach She'ni. If you recall, that was a wrong, wrongful notion of the of the Avodazara to envision God as the initial creator. But then there being other forces that can contend with him. Kamosha Hashvu of the Avodazara. That's of course along the lines of. The Rashi on Hanoch, that he was Elohim, that he envisioned the, the grass and the stones had godliness to them. It's the wrongful vision of saying, listen, God maybe empowered them, but now they have an independent force. It's the fifth Ikar of Harambam, that there are no independent forces. That's an interesting line and somewhat controversial if you ask me. He says that all of existence has, and those are the words, individual providence is the right word, right? Um, that's not simple in any way, shape, or form, because he's describing not only as human beings, which is already an interesting statement, do all human beings have what we describe as hashgaha pratit, but he says kol that runs counter to Harambam's words. They generally cite Ramban Nachmani as agreeing with Harambam on that. That animals and existence <laughs> Ramban, at large, Ramban Nachmani, that's what they, they, they quote his commentary, if I'm not mistaken, in Eov and elsewhere, that although there is Hashgaha Pratit, define it accordingly, for human beings, not for animals, and not for all the other occurrences that in the world. That's it. right. So gen- Now, so this is a debate, but that's the statement he has over here. What's that? That's why I was saying Ramchal seems, he seems steadfast on this. He's, he's attributing Hashgaha Pratit not only to humanity, but to right. everything. Right. That's why I wasn't dispelling your, your, your notion. I was, wow. I was saying I don't think Ramchal is on that. Um, yeah. Maybe he's just talking about an invisible hand as opposed to... Or he... Or he, he, he it wouldn't be Pratit. Or he... Listen to the next words. You can still explain that. <laughs> 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 
Okay, man. <laughs> Sounds like the the physical, no, not physical, the the, the noticeable. Right. So he would Ela. he would define differently his dead panim. He would define his dead panim as a as God hiding hiding his presence in the world through the perception of man, meaning well, making it harder harder for people to to. Which can only be, which again can only be a play, if in my understanding, in time. That's the way he's going to do this. How can he play with us in such a fashion if it's not the reality? Because we don't have the breadth of vision. Because in reality, even now, it's all one, but we can't see that because it's going to take time for that to develop. If we were above time, if we were out of time, we could never perceive of any ra. But that would mean that the that the solution to man, the solution to man's problems or to man's deficiencies is to... If God removes removes Himself or makes it harder to see His His oneness, right, and leaves man further and deeper into process and time, as a way of of eventually elevating above process and time. Yes. So the solution to man not being able to elevate is to dig him deeper. Right. So it sounds antithetical. <laughs> sounds antithetical. Sounds paradoxical. And I'll, I'll, I'll blow it to you already. He's going to do it in just a few pages from now. What he's going to suggest is that Yehud by definition means not only one, but it means oneness. It means uniqueness. By definition, if the world were perceived fully as one, I could not understand the uniqueness of the oneness of God. Mm-hmm. So there has to be the false vision, quote unquote, or that pretense and perception of Ra. And in turn, I could say, but God is not that, and I'll be able to define him. And that in turn so is... So time the... didn't exist, God wouldn't exist. <coughs> no. If no. time didn't exist, human beings could not exist, right. is my understanding right. of it. God did exist before time, does exist above time. We don't understand. That's con- okay, that. sorry, to, right. to, to re- re-say what I, what I meant. God, the perception of God wouldn't exist in the mind of man. Yes, that's, that's my understanding of no what he's going to say. There's no comprehension But we could have come to a, com- to a, to a, a fuller comprehension. Without, we could understand, without. we could talk about him, but we wouldn't be able to say he's unique and clear. different. Yeah. Uh, is that this helpful, Rabbi Levithan? I'm going to say God's, he's unique, and his uniqueness is unique. That was right. a catchphrase of this. That's great. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if he would be excited to be quoted in a Ramchal. <laughs> Probably not. But what I can tell you is it's directly in line. Right. Keep in mind, his whole vision is he kind of mixed, and we might have to address that at some point. He did tell us earlier that the Tachlita the purpose of creation was lehetiv imbriotav. He writes that in his in Misilat Yesharim as well. We struggled with the full definition. He wrote that at the beginning of the book. Now what he's on his way, he already touched on this and he's going to say it even further. The point of existence and creation is to be makir biyehudo. Are they synonymous? Is that the hatava? Not fully clear, but but that's that's you know that's a critical so point for him. Does here. that mean that the direct product of Tim is the concept of time? Yes. As to, according to my understanding, yes, I, I think they are one and the same. Ela, who? Thank you. Who has shofet kol haaret lechol asherba vegozer kol asher yeaze yeaze tachtonim atzov kol amadregot shemachol abriyakula. Finishing his statement, Jack. He sounds like it's a very hands-on, visible hands-on experience. Umeotim yehud shelitatohu sheenoshum hechreach ukfiyakelau. 
<coughs> not repetitive, but further clarifying that from the greatness of God's oneness, his unique stature, uh, there's an absolute control. All the laws of nature are all dependent upon his will. That's the way I'm defining those words. And he's in no way dependent upon them. When he wants, he can and maybe will allow for it to be an invisible hand. He can allow for his will, so to speak, to take the back seat to Alternatively, he can defy the way you'd imagine it would go based on human activity. I'll have the Hanina, how, how do we translate that? Goodwill, whatever, to those who I want to. As even if they're not deservant of it. Which means to say he can transcend any rules which he has set into motion. Anything you'd imagine is going to be the reality. You think you sin and you've affected God? And you have many uh, iniquities. What's that going to do to God? In other words, again, a statement of God standing separate from the effectiveness or the ability of anyone or anything to change him. Now, what he's going to, uh, and this is difficult, and you know, maybe you'll be able to help me with this, he's going to now segue into, very briefly, I think in this paragraph, he's going to at some point, yeah, he's going to in this paragraph touch on the fact, but God does have a promised endgame. Why does he have a promised endgame? Well, he has a birit, he has a shivwa. Now, doesn't that confine God? Doesn't that take away from his ability to transcend all? He just said to you, he can go above and beyond everything. Nothing is preventing him from doing anything. He can, if he wants to take the back seat. He can alternatively defy the ride completely. But he can't renege on his promise. He almost seems to say that. Because he... because then it'll seem like he can't do it. No, because no, a promise is a, is a concept that is bound by, by time. And since God is above time, it's not that it's a promise. Oh, it's, a it's, that, it's that it's a... The promise is a term. It's a, it's, a, it's a statement of fact. Right, it's like interrupting between the statement in Ma'asib Yashid and the action in Ma'asib Yashid. Which we'll deal with, um, ish, yeah. Um, you're saying that God's promise in, is in not... But so God, so you're suggesting the bidit is what? Is, it's a, it's is within time or is above time? Above it transcends time. time. It transcends time. It's as if, let's say I saw a movie, right? And then in the middle of the movie... Oh, no, don't mention it. I'm sorry. In the middle of the movie, you're watching it and I go, oh, you see that character? He's going to die at the end. I'm not making a promise that I'm going to kill the character by the end. I've already seen the movie. I already know what the ending oh, of the movie understood, is. Understood. Understood. So, so the suggestion is the Berit is because of the ability to, trans, to transcend time, which he has. And in turn, this is the reality. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. I mean, it, it might touch on the first Rashi, Bereshit, Bishul Israel, Rashid. He's suggesting that... Since Yisrael will be, as he's going to say, there's a Shavuot Avotenu, and in the understanding of the Chachamim, in the understanding of Ram Mahal, that's a promise to restore our words, his words, Yehud Bishlemut. Why so? Maybe we won't be deserving. Maybe uh, the fact that he's bound to it doesn't that constrain him? That was my question. The suggestion is the Berit is above time. The Berit is his example in the movie. I know what's going to be at the end. 
How do you know what's going to be at the end? Because I know it already. Right. So that's not constraint. But the point is that's not constraint. That's God. That's we God use the wrong God. words. We use words like shivuah, which in our which in our for term human says, beings, I'm going to commit tough. to doing this forever right. and for always. Alternatively, it's reality. Right. It just right. is reality. Thank you, David. That's solved it. All references in the Pesukim to wiping out the ultimate sins, cleaning things up. Okay, several Pesukim of Nevoah about these end of days. Ultimately speaking, the remembrance are not necessarily going to be because of our good deeds. is not necessarily waiting for us to get this right. <laughs> what will and might very well cause the ultimate, uh, let's call it Yehud, it's the Berit, it's the Shavuah. This is Ma'amar Chachamim, might be Pesukim that are almost explicit, even if you don't have the Zechut, when that established time arrives, whatever that hidden time in the will and mind of God is. That's how he can and will uh, do. Okay, so what, what has he been leading us in? He's been leading us very slowly. He's been tiptoeing into Yehud Hashem. Yehud Hashem means there are no strings attached. Yehud Hashem means he's not compelled by anything other than Berit. That's it. Okay, furthermore, now that he's not dependent and he's not competing with another, there is no competition for him. And as a result, even if you somehow manipulate nature or manipulate the world or the metaphysics of the world. Ultimately speaking, if he's the creator, and this is, of course, the difficulty Harambam has with Aristotle and Plato, who suggest that God either came about together with matter or that matter preceded God. Is that really so difficult for Harambam? It's very difficult. It means, then, that he can't manipulate them fully. It means that Nisim might be possible, but are very unlikely and perhaps impossible if they either were at the same time as him or preceded him. His statement, Ramchal, is once... All right, to be discussed separately, but you could understand that, and that's and it's an important conversation to be had. Why Harambam is so nervous about it? Because you might say you can still find a way, or you are transcendent above them, but you could at the very least make the argument against it. If God did not precede them, you could say they have independent forces, which he has to contend with and overcome. As opposed to if they cause. came about, as opposed to some other power. Yeah, but that doesn't, that doesn't, that, I understand, but that still doesn't, that doesn't assert a, a level of power or, or no power, meaning the, the entire world was created before man, but then God says, and now man, you have power over everything here that, that, that was created before you, right? The sequence in which it was created does not give authority or not authority over it. Does precedence and creation of, I'm going the opposite direction, if God does precede, does that therefore mean that since he created it, he could manipulate it? 
No, I could, he's gonna. I know where he's gonna go. He's gonna, he's gonna go. With, he's gonna go with AI. No, or something. no I was not going with AI. So he's gonna create an AI that's gonna rule. I was him. not gonna go with AI. No, clearly not. No, but the in sense. the creation, he made that decision. That ultimately has the power. Mm-hmm. That's right. his decision. If had anything he, had created him, something else correct. created him. Correct. Had the, had the power. Correct. On, on, on him. David says not necessarily. And I understand that. And, and we and you I'm might remember we debated this in the more and I couldn't win. Uh, so I, 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 I very <laughs> I much knew what I was tiptoeing into on this or, or stepping into on this. I was well aware and I tried to mention it parenthetically, but well aware. His argument was then, <clears throat> and I don't think you maybe I'm wrong, I don't think you can logically outdo this. He says, listen, I can then overcome it. I can then kill the original creator. I can then um, take full control of it and now manipulate whatever was there yeah, before. If man, if man can create nuclear power from things that <coughs> clearly preceded him, right? We've we've now mastered the atom, right? I think you're right? leaving the, the master yeah. because you're talking ex nihilo. But that's only until talking ex nihilo. The, the concept of the didn't it didn't the even exist. Anyway, continues. His point here is: once God created, once God created the program, in turn, says Ramchal, the program cannot overcome him. He in turn, at will, at whim, at whatever, can determine to change them. Change them. <laughs> That's the statement the Gemara and Sanhedrin. Finally, right? Finally, we could say this about our children, right? <laughs> right? If we could say this about our children, it would be right. Va'afilu kishafim means even sorcery, even witchcraft, which means say any sorcery and witchcraft. Which mind, of course, there's a debate. There's a debate amongst uh, uh, you know medieval uh, rabbis whether kishafim is a reality or a perceived reality. Irrespective of that, the statement over here is kishafim have no ability, sorcery, witchcraft, no ability to contend with God. Ultimately speaking, you could conceive of witchcraft, sorcery, which does the words of the rabbis in some way negate the upper legions that's when he leaves that in existence with those powers he can annul those powers he can pull the plug you don't like this says you can't use the tools of the creator against the creator who still has the string in his hand or the puppet the puppet string still in his hand Alright, so he's fleshing out the counter statements to all those wrongful approaches that we read in the past class. He says this is accepted as emuna, as faith. In order to come to clarity of this truth, that is through watching activity that's through taking in the world that's through having open eyes that's through being makir this is ultimately speaking and again he still needs to prove this he says the ultimate will of god and creation was yehud and it's based on that will 
that he established within existence the rules of existence. Repeated the statement again in stronger terminology. The purpose of creation is Yehud and the realization of Yehud. He hasn't, to my mind, yet proven this. He just said this is negating all the wrongful views, and of course, this is what we want to arrive at. Did this prove that this was the purpose of creation? I think not. I think that's what he's going to get into in two, two more pages from now when he's going to say what I told you earlier. And that is, why would you need all of this filth, chaos, ra in the world if not in order to bring us to an understanding of Yehud, right? In other words, the only way I could understand the uniqueness is if I could contrast it to something else. If it was all there was, well, then it's not unique, or at the very least, I don't understand its uniqueness. Shekashe navin gilui Yehudo bametalui navin gamken that's what he's alluding to. He says, once you understand what Yehud is, you'll in turn understand the purpose of all the other creations. Once you understand that that was the will of God, you'll understand why he did what he did. Yeah. So... Hashem created things that implicate questions as to his Yehud only so that those things themselves will at some point in the future understand his Yehud. Yes. Fantastic. Beautiful. <laughs> the paradoxical reality okay. that he's going to set forth. Yeah, I don't... I don't so the, it's I don't, no different than the normal paradox of creation when God got a... Of course. Create. It's yeah. all the same question. Of course. <laughs> I just don't understand... How it's possible. How do you come about this realization of, so of the someone, will of God through this the guy entire I know. friend of there's this guy I know. His name's David Salama. I don't know that guy. Yeah. This guy, David Salama, taught me the lesson I'm trying to teach tonight, like 10 years ago. Wow. And he even found it in Rav Cook, who I'm going to quote on the source sheet, which I quote all the time, because that this guy, David Salama, taught me this to me. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to get there, but the suggestion, well, we'll get there. Okay, I want to understand. Well, what's the connection between the revelation of his Yehud and everything else? No, I'm not done. I can't, I can't. So he's bring us straight into hisronot, deficiencies, divisions. It doesn't seem to be conforming with shlemut, that oneness, that completeness of God. That's what leads many people to scoff at God's existence or a proper understanding. Why are, is there a deficiency? Why are there divisions? Why are there contradictions? 
God in it of himself should be just Tobot. says, now I want to set forth with the help of God and understand. When we talk about his oneness, his uniqueness, his Yahid, we understand there is no other. There's no opposite. There's no one preventing. You can't just say that God is Tob. What we also want to and need to do is to say that anything else is not Tob. If I'm going to say that God, he'll give an example. I'm going to say that God is wise. So does that necessarily mean in order to understand his wisdom, I need to contrast it to something else? Not necessarily. I can just analyze his wisdom. Hard for me to analyze his wisdom. Hard for me to talk about his wisdom. But wisdom per se is not measured by its difference from other things. If I'm going to say that God is Hasid, he's righteous or he's, he's pious, do I need to necessarily contrast it to others? I don't need to. The only reason I'm going to contrast it to others is in order to determine why God's tob, why his hasidut is yahid, why it's different. Which means to say the point of all of existence he will set forth is in order to lay forth that point of contrast which leads me to yahud. Now the derivative of yahud is not only the existence of God, it's the description and understanding of God. By definition, now I'm saying he is unique in his knowledge, whatever that means, but I contrast it to finite knowledge of human beings. He's unique in his existence because he's one as opposed to other matters which appear to be divisible and so forth. That's what he's setting forth. I don't talk about the opposite of Hasidut or of Chokhmah in order to define them. I say Chokhmah is knowledge, is the amassing of knowledge and the understanding and so forth. Hasidut is not the opposite. Here's, here's the key line for me. In order to understand why something or someone is unique, I must by definition tell you how they are not like others, which means to say there need to be others in order to contrast. I want to say God is one and there are no others. He says, I can talk about knowledge in and of itself. I can talk about Hasidut in and of itself. I can't talk about Yehud in and of itself because by definition the word Yehud means as opposed to others. If God wanted to just manifest his characteristics as Tob, he could have just done that and everybody would understand this is Tob. Once he wants to manifest and have us understand his Yehud, which by definition Yehud means the opposite, the negation of Ra. This is by definition, and, and I'm, I'm continuing this. He's not talking about a comparison. He's talking about that it's subsumed within the Tob. So he wants to reveal the Ra, so you're able to understand the complete Tob. 
you are speaking. You are speaking of... from above. I'm speaking from below, right. from in. I'm talking from in. From in, it appears the words he's saying. Of course, because in reality, it's 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 not a ra. I mean, that's that's you're, you're speaking in reality. It's I'm not, not talking a... about the old one, but just the way he's explaining it. He's saying that he wants to explain to you that he's one, and one is has the kladut of everything. So ra is subsumed in that. So when he's met some, he's saying it's shaya. He wants to show you the ra. Shebigdro yeshelilat hara. Right, shelilat. It says shayach hara. That it's it's not that it's compared to it. You're not comparing the good. Show you the bad so you understand the good. You want to. He's showing you the bad to show you that it's complete. That he it shows you it. the bad, which in turn you understand the tob and the right. last stages, and now you understand the ra was tob. It's like you wouldn't understand, you understand light if you didn't know darkness. I, Correct. I understand that point, but I think he's saying but that's more a than it includes everything, because everything is subsumed in that. That's a little different than tob and ra. Because the shlilut is, is like, right, like you're saying, it's control. It's not that it's you're understanding. How it's counter it and, and that it's different from what Shlilat to me means that it's Sholel. He's he's controlling that. No, that's well. Shalit. You're thinking about Shalit. Exactly. So Shlom means, means to negate. Yes, agree. So let's read it again. In his will to reveal his oneness, by its definition, it needs to dispel of, it needs to negate Ra. Now, of course, you'll now say, but there is no Ra. Okay, that's the last stage. I need to first, you know, to demonstrate, I, I'm, I'm going ahead of, you know, where, where I wanted to do this, but now to, to mention it to you from source number six. Source number six is Rav Kook. This is the Rav Kook that, uh, that, that David somehow found years ago and showed it to me. I don't remember how, but you found this and showed it to David me. David has forgotten more Torah yes, than that's good. Yeah, it's, it's the gra- greatest <laughs> mehadesh. I think, I think Hashem directed yeah. me towards the... Uh, <laughs> Rav Kook here in source number six in Orot HaKodesh suggests the following. Read the words. Kol hanigudim hanimsaim behade'ot. All the negations, the contradictions that exist in knowledge and understandings and characteristics. Kol ota ha'ifsiyut shelifamim nira mihuge had al-havero. Vahanigudim halalu mitgadilim biyotar komashe ha'de'ot tofsot makom yotel gadol beruah ha'adam lamistakel panimi mitra'im hem betor rihukim mekomiim shel shtilim. He says, when we look at negations in the world for those who penetrate the external reality, you'll actually realize it's like shtilim. Shtilim means things in Kem Arasha. There were the seedlings. Seedlings is shtilim. Shem mishamishim letovat ra'anunutam usviat yenikatam. You need to separate the seeds of trees and anything else that you plant in order to bring to the optimal growth. If everything was placed together, if all the seeds were thrown in together, they would all become, they would all be uh, intertwined with one another. They would therefore hold back and stunt the growth of one another. The understanding in turn of existence, having both Tov and Ra, having what matters, 
matters which appear to be contradictory is a necessary capability and perception that God put into existence so that we could separate and understand each individually. I can now look at what Ra looks like, although it might not be Ra, in order to in turn understand Tob. That's the vision. Now I say that again as perception because this is only within a confined reality of time. If you're outside of time, if you're above time, then it's all just one. So then this is all a facade. And 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 you're you're dealing with a reality which is there with human beings, in which there appears to be Ra, but the purpose of Ra is only to reveal Tob, but the Ra is in reality Tob itself, once I now emerge from time and look backward to bring you back to the Tishubai example. The Ra of my initial action appears within time to be Ra. As time goes on and I redefine myself, my life, that very action is transformed to be, like Resh Lakish says, a Zechut. It's the same thing in existence itself. That's the description through and through. Yes? So the example of the, the cows that were fat and the cows that were skinny and the skinny ones ate the, the fat one and didn't remember the fat. The same, and the shim. So is that an example of Tob and Ra? And showed how time can change the uh, observation or the expectation of good and bad. Maybe. <laughs> Certainly Yosef has that capability, because no. when Yosef's brothers come to him, he says, Atem hashavtem Elokim no, but, but this is, no, You think that's what he's doing with the dreams as well? The dream, and no, the actual occurrence of seven good years versus seven bad years. Well, that the seven bad years in reality were good. They would have forgotten the, the good seven years. Right. That's so why. seven years were necessary. They couldn't right. go directly Understood. into famine. Understood. I, I, I like it. Yeah. My qu- I mean, I it was necessary for yourself to, to grow. Right. No, okay. but was it, was it, it was the, okay, but or, in or the Am scheme Israel. of Am Yisrael, Yisrael existence, right. it was a necessary it. reality which appeared right. to be Ra, which other Mizikim was told. Does, yes. anybody, does anybody further question the necessity of, of Ra or evil or bad in this, con- in this context of contrast? Because what you, like what Joey said, what you don't need, you don't need the complete opposite you just need the absence of in order to understand something so as an example in order to understand love i don't need hate i just need ambivalence ambivalence an absence of love if everybody just walked around and was was pleasant with each other and oh hi how are you okay and there was no love and then two people fell in love now i can understand love but without anybody needing to hate each other so is there anybody that, that brings that about and says that there's a, a different purpose to hate this outside of its of its need to define good because I don't see evil as being necessary to define good because there's an in-between phase of a lack of good that's not necessary. Okay, not but we now we all know that there's a different end of the spectrum. Right? But maybe maybe all of that is subsumed on the raft. Maybe I'm over. But why do we have to go to the extreme of Ra? Why, why does the extreme of Ra have to exist? Why does genocide have to exist 
in order for love to exist. Maybe maybe the further the contrast and the further the extremes, the easier it is to to, to separate each one. I'm not certain. Maybe that would have to be the answer. Yeah, in other words, the really weird because like there are people in my life that I love, and there are people in my life that I don't, and I don't struggle with that with that contrast. Maybe there's the capacity of love is so great then it's opposite, the capacity of evil has to be great. Right, so that's what I was searching for someone to say the answer to, which is that, that, because that sort of implies that everything has to have an an element of equilibrium into it, which is a whole different concept. But why, in the logic of Ramchal, I'm not certain, in this logic, I don't think you have a necessity for that. That's David's question. I'm asking why. David's question... You can't say it's just to define Tov, because what I can say is that in order to define Tov, you just need the lack of... He's telling me Ra is there, just as a point of contrast, he thinks you could do it without. function in other ways, right? So this is is an important fundamental function of Ra, but also, Ra functions to better you, right? Which so it's the crucible thing, where it's okay. the, right? Why do we need to go into Mitzrayim? Okay, so we need to pr- the, p- the point there is, other, the point is redefine Ra over here as not Tov, and every degree of Ra might have its own individual interpretation as to why it exists. And maybe it's because you need that equ- equilibrium defined accordingly. Right. But in other words, his definition over here of Ra, you need not take it to that further so, of, of, of an extreme. I'm not certain. I, I'll just, I'll conclude very briefly for, to, just to flesh out this point finally. You want to keep going? You're close to book five minutes ago. Well, we're going to do these. On page 52, on page 52, just uh, just bringing his words forward, I'm skipping just very briefly. He says, the second paragraph here on page 52, where he's talking about how for human beings, Again, it's a point we've been making throughout, but for human beings, existence necessarily appears to be divided. He says the proof for this is perhaps Maase Bereshit, the creation of, of the world. After all, God's words in the Torah are that He's at separate times. On different days created, they have del ma'amarot in different utterances. Ubeseder masherasabo in a particular order that he willed. Velo hakol bevatahat. Why wasn't it all at once? As though this is God. What was the purpose and necessity of this being a process? Velo b'ma'amare hachaya yachol hibareot umeata yesh lanu lehavchin bechol peulot avetamehen. He says the purpose of the separate utterances and creations and processes was in order to allow for human beings to understand better. The purpose and the will of God in separation in an alma de peruda is so that it be like the seedlings of a garden. We can only best understand by having separation, which we can understand well I can understand what something is by it being separated from others if it's all intertangled if there's a web of things I can't define it 
to very briefly take you through that in the context of Perush Rashi Al HaTorah, at least in my mind, he hints at this point more than once. Um, you see, uh, in, in source number seven, the Pasuk describes Bereshit Barai Elohim et Hashemayim et Ha'aretz Ve'ha'aretz Ha'yeta Tohu Bavo. And the very basic and easy question is, if using the words that Jack used earlier, if creation was ex nihilo, if we accept Harambam's principle that the creation was something from nothing and there was nothing that preceded existence mm-hmm. of the world as brought forth by God, what was Tohu Bavo? Where did Tohu Bavo? Of course, maybe not last week, but on a different on a different occasion, maybe it was last week, whatever it was, where that come from? So the, the answer is along the lines of the following. Bereshit, the Gemaran Masechet Rosh says that first pasuk needs to be envisioned as a statement and as an utterance of God. Bereshit, Barai At the beginning, there was a creation of Shamaim Ba'aretz. Later on in Da'atevunot, Ramchal himself fleshes this out. He calls that the creation of the Koach. Koach well, we could translate as energy. There is brought forth the energy of existence, the raw matter, the the ether of existence. That's the Bereshit Bar Elohim et But what does quote that look like? Uh, what does it look like? It looks like Tohu Vavo. What is Tohu Vavo if not oneness? Now human beings cannot exist in that oneness. But the Torah itself hints to us that in reality this is all oneness. It's then now over the course of six days that he's going to separate it to make room and understanding possible for human beings. It's, uh, l- listen, at the same time, that word Bereshit, before I further develop that in Rashi, the word Bereshit, at the beginning of, at the beginning of what? Of course, that's it's a, 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 a beginning of what? So says Svorno, same point, says Svorno, at the beginning of time. Gaon Mivilna is more famous for saying this, but Svorno says at the beginning of time, which means to say at the very moment that, quote, time comes into existence, we as well have something which is already less unified, because we can already pinpoint it and say that's Tohu Vavo, and then slowly but surely, or quickly, in respect of how you're reading Maaseh Bereshit, there's now separation, all purposed for a timely temporal existence, which is there for human beings, which is therefore this world. And see, Rashi does it in the Pasuk, Vayomer Elohim, Yihi Me'orot Birkiah HaShamayim, of course on day four, Yihi Me'orot Birkiah HaShamayim, and Lehavdil Ben Hayom Ben Alayla, as the Pasuk, Yihi Me'orot, Rashi's understanding is, Yihi Me'orot is they were already there, but now they will shine. What do you mean they were already there? When were they created? Says Rashi, everything was created on Day one, or in the beginning of day one, the beginning of time, we might say. Same way Rashi says in Bereshit Perik Bet, Pasuk Dalet, Ele Toledot Hashmaim Ba'aret Bihibare'am, Biyom Asot and Elohim Eretz V'Shamayim, it appears, if you read it very literal, on the day that God created, he crafted Shamayim Ba'aret. Well, he didn't create Eretz and Shamayim in one day. What are you talking about? It took six days in order to create it. Maybe the seventh day, Ba'ashabat, Ba'amenucha, says Rashi, Lelamedcha, Shukulam Nivre'u Barishon. It's the same point again that Ramchal is making through and through over here and that is a purposeful creation which brings forth a world of division yes the words are tov and ra I have to define that accordingly but ultimately speaking there's nigud there's pirud there's separation and there's contradictions for what purpose for the paradoxical purpose of bringing us back to an understanding of the Yehud, how it's really all one, and it's unique. So it means there's a false perception brought into existence of there being separation, which could only exist within time. 
once I transcend time, if I actually do transcend time in my own life, I'm able to combine those in the context of Teshuvah, for example. In the context of memory, we do it as well. I love to talk about that as well. In memory, we transcend time. If you truly remember something, you take a past experience, you let it inform the present, you're redefining what took place then, and in turn, it's inspiring the future. The Zachor of the Torah is a transcendence of time as well, if done properly. It's not history, it's memory. You have it with Teshubah, and you have it in reality and existence in totality, which means to say, Yehud, as Ramchal is suggesting, is the backbone, is the underpinnings to all of existence, to all of creation. If you want to ask the question, which is hard to do, of knowing God's plan, da'atevunot, if you will, the answer, says Ramchal, is Yehud. But why? Why do I need Ra in order to understand God? The answer is, by definition, the word Yehud means the nigud, the shilila of the other. And in turn, I can only understand how he is one, and once I lived within time and understood how he is not that. Baruch Adonai Amen.